With Eversense, the long-term sensor helps me spend less time dealing with my CGM. I only need two sensor changes a year. If you're on multiple doses of insulin, you might greatly benefit from the Eversense E3 CGM system, the only continuous glucose monitoring system that lasts for up to six months with one sensor. Still doing frequent sensor changes? Break free today with Eversense. For important safety information and to learn more about Eversense, please visit eversensediabetes.com safety. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Mental Podcast is a show dedicated to individuals and mental health professionals, providing support, information, and some candid conversations along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle, PK, and Seth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mental Podcast. Seth, your co-host here, along with Michelle Collins and PK Langley. How's everybody doing? Doing well. Well, I'm good. I'm happy to hear it. And today I'm excited because we're going to talk about change. We're doing a series on that right now, aren't we? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what the series is. Yeah, something like the change within, something like that. So... Yes. Yeah, and the series, the last, the last episode was with just PK and Michelle, it and was. I thought it was excellent. I really enjoyed being able to listen to you guys talk while driving to pick Lizzie up from the vet. <laughs> it was very entertaining, and I appreciate it. Uh, poor Lizzie and her little poor saucer. Lizzie. She's so cute. Yeah, I love her little cone head. Better. Yes, uh, I, I, she had a cone, but honestly, I didn't make her wear it very often at all. Goodness. I didn't. But anyhow, let's, let's get back to the intro into the show. <laughs> I want to welcome you to Mental. We're going to continue our change conversation. And today we're really going to look at the barriers to change. What are the things that really get people caught up and, and, and makes it so they can't take steps forward? But as much as I want to jump right into that, because I'm clearly the expert, <laughs> I want I want to see how everyone else is doing. So let's kick this off Bada with bing. some mental minutes, shall we? <laughs> oh, Go PK, goodness. give us your mental minute. Oh my, what are we in the third week of January already? In, already. In 2021, it feels like it's taken off like a rabbit. Uh <laughs> And uh, I'm trying to catch it. So uh, yeah, I feel like uh, 2021 is a is a going by much too quickly for me. And uh, uh, yeah, I I've, I'm putting out fires <laughs> all week. I've just been just putting out fires. And in the world of mental health, 
you you frequently get these seasons that I like to call like difficult seasons with clients. Like you'll get a, a client that is difficult and you and you have to wrestle with that client to get them stable. But until they get to that place of stability, they are like really, 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 really taxing for you. So <laughs> I have a particular client that uh, is struggling with a lot of things and they're convinced that I'm like their mental health provider. Like they think I'm their psychiatrist and not who I actually am. And so they have been blowing up my phone oh, like boy. crazy. <laughs> I just what, like, what is your actual like, because I know you're calling clients a lot. What is your title? What's your role? I'm a behavioral health service assessor and it's a assessor. long title, but I do assessments. I do uh, provisional diagnosis. I do treatment planning and I handle med management clients primarily. So th that's really my forte. And, um, you know, sometimes you, you get these clients that are just like, oh my gosh, you know, I really want to help you. <laughs> I really want to help you, but well, I can't help you. <laughs> it sounds like she's treating you as her therapist. Does the um, agency have therapists that she can see? Well, it's not even that. It's when you get a client that doesn't have the cognitive ability or insight to even know what to do or how to do. So they just keep bouncing back to you, even though you've told them 537,000 times, I am not the person that you need to call. I am not the person that you need to call. No, Sherry, I am not the person you need to call. Let me give you that number again, Sherry. Okay, Sherry. Sherry, I'm sorry. I'm not the person you need to call. And you tell them over and over and over and over and over and they still call you. So you, you just, you see the number show up and, and you know, you're a mental health professional. You are supposed to be professional. And yet you see the number pop up on your phone and you're like, your anxiety level Sherry. goes through the roof. <laughs> you're like, it's Sherry. It's Sherry. Now, listen, I'm not, it's not Sherry. That's not her right. real name. I would right. never do that. But it's Sherry. <laughs> Sherry is calling again, again. Oh my gosh. Sherry has called me 15 times in the last hour. Sherry. So yeah, it's kind of been like one of those weeks uh, in, in the mental health realm. So you have to exercise a lot of patience and just gently continue to guide and guide and guide and also write emails and go, please help me with Sherry. Please help me with Sherry. Somebody help me with Sherry. Somebody call Sherry. Somebody explain to Sherry for the 537th time that I am not the person Sherry needs to call. So you, you get seasons like that and it can be taxing um, and you just have to learn to let it go and just do the job until it, until that season closes out with that person and they, and they finally get it or they don't get it and the right supports get under them and they get out from underneath mm. you. It's kind of sad. And sometimes that can be tiring. it's obviously somebody that's deeply in need of something, yeah. you know, and so she's attached herself yeah. to you, which, you know, in, in one way yeah. is kind of nice. I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's the right thing to say. I mean, she feels comfortable with you, obviously. So... It would be good if you could push an easy button and sure. fix everybody. But, you know, I mean, in 30 plus years of mental health experience, you learn that you are definitely not Superman, Superwoman, super anything. And you just do the best you can uh, in providing supports for people and getting them what you can because you definitely can't fix anybody. Right. You just, yeah. you just can't, you can only give them, you know, like daddy always said, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, you know? Well, and I've always, 
uh, explained it as my job is not to fix you. My job is to give you the tools to fix your, so you can fix right. yourself. Right. Right. That's the entire point. It, it's tools. It's not fixing. Well, and, and the language right. that I've always appreciated is that part of my job is to hold space for that person so that they can operate through with the tools that you're providing and, and come to some conclusions on their own. But that idea of holding space right. is, is appealing to me because it means that you're engaged, but you're not influencing, which I think is very important because I think a lot of people go into therapy with the idea that the therapist is going to fix them, like you're saying, like you're going to come up with all the answers, but it's not ours to give the answers. The answers are within, within them and they just have to discover them. So holding that space with them yeah. allows for that. We're just and there in, to draw in the, it out. And in the in the position I'm in right now, I'm not a therapist. Right. So I'm I'm functioning as a tool. <laughs> so you know, I just have to I just have okay. to Okay, don't be such a tool. Okay. <laughs> I just have to, you know, uh, you know, turn the wrench and say, Okay, uh, here's your number and have a nice day, you know. So uh, my functionality is pretty limited when it comes to that. So a lot of times I can't even hold space right. because you know, I don't well, I, it's not I'm your under role. a productive yeah. Right, right. And I have it's to not your job. You know, I've had clients that call and they say, well, I just need somebody to talk to. And it'd be so nice that if I could just sit on the phone and I'd say, well, Jerry, it'd be really good if I could do that, too. But I don't get paid to do that. And, you know, I, I really I really would love to do that. And sometimes you just have to be honest with people, right. because if you are if you aren't, and you don't establish those boundaries. I'd be sitting there talking to Jerry right. for an hour and a half. And then I'd have my supervisor going, hey, you didn't do anything today. Right. <laughs> well, I was talking to I was talking Jerry to Jerry. took up my afternoon. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. So yeah, that's that's my mental minute. I've I've felt uh, uh, pressed, uh, and I've had a lot of irons in the fire. And self care has been very important to me. So uh, at lunchtime today, I took a nap, a deliberate, on purpose, uh, hazy day kind of nap, and it felt really good. So I'm happy to be here, and I have more energy tonight. Well, so good. yay, yay, yeah. When I I want to just piggyback off of something you mentioned in your mental minute and talking about seasons. Um, you were talking specifically like with the specific example uh, with a client, um, but I also look at trends too, especially in my role as a trainer. And it's so, you can see like, you can see there are waves in regards to what's happening in the mental health community, specifically around crisis lines and around oh, the holidays sure. and different things like this. And you never really know. That was always the thing when I was on the front line. You never knew how holidays were going to go because it was either going to be great in that it was going to be very quiet or it was going to be hell on earth. Every line is ringing. You have people on hold and everyone is suicidal. Yes. House is burning. That, you know, that happens in the mental health right. realm. I mean, right. and I'm just, I wanted to note those seasons because it's not just individual people. It's like there's yeah. major trends to this. Even in, in, even in hospitals, you know, I mean, nurses will tell you that, they, you know, they know <laughs> everybody's full coming moon. in the ER. Yep. Full moon. Full They're moon. Coming in. Friday the 13th. Like <laughs> all of this stuff, the stats are there. Well, that kind of speaks to the yeah. idea of kind of an atmospheric interference, so to speak. You know, I know that sounds a little woohoo out there for people, but I, I do believe that there that there are those atmospheres 
that are present. And that's why so many people mm-hmm. at one time get caught up in the same kind of mentality or the same frustration or struggle. Um, you know, a lot of times they're reacting to the atmosphere around them and it's just exacerbating something in their own life that maybe on a normal day is not that big of a deal, but today just feels overwhelming. You know, I I think there's some merit to that. Of course, I don't think there's any way to really study that, but I think it holds merit. Well, (laughs) even, even on a gloomy day, something's going to impact you differently than it would on a bright, sunny, beautiful day when it's perfect. Well, true. It's funny, you know, in Southern California, we have the Santa Ana winds. Um, and they've done studies on the Santa Ana winds. When those winds kick up, uh, the level of violence escalates. Uh, the number of murders escalate because those winds are wow. so uncomfortable. And I can attest to that. They are just brutal. Um, I mean, wind is no fun anyway, but there's just these hot, unrelenting winds because it's the air coming off the desert. And st- usually you have an onshore flow. In, in the time of Santa Ana, you have the flow coming from over the desert out to the ocean. So you're getting all this hot air. So it's just incredibly uncomfortable. And it kicks up all the sinus stuff and the allergies. and But they've done studies that show that uh, violence escalates during those periods. Um, and to me, that's, a, that's kind of proof of, you know, an environmental or an atmospheric interference in people's moods. You know, that... Has it been windy in D.C. recently? <laughs> if only we could blame it on that. <laughs> We'd have some kind of hope of it going away. <laughs> curious. I'll be honest. I, I've been pretty nervous. I, even throughout the day, kind of reading different things that are happening and some of the FBI bulletins and stuff, I've been pretty nervous about what that means for the upcoming weeks. Um, it seems like there could be a lot of problem. And, of course, that is an atmosphere right now as well. So you're going to see not only the fear is ramped up, but the outrage is ramped up. You know, and this this feeling of needing to do something is ramped up. And so we have quite a bit of interference, if you will. So 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 tell us, how's that been affecting your mental health? How's how's tell us your mental minute? Well, it's January. Every January for me is just it's it's the busiest month I have in the entire year. And it, every year I have the same complaints. Everybody immediately after the first of the year starts demanding that all their work is done. Um, without realizing that there's a lot of extra work that happens in January for the fourth quarter. Um, but also you have, you know, getting the files ready and everything for the CPAs for taxes and everybody wants their taxes done early, you know, and so they're freaking out. They're, they're very demanding and you're trying to, you're trying to set the tone that like, look, I'm getting to these things as I can. Um, but I think I, you know, I was joking with you all earlier when we first signed on, like it's January 12th and I can't believe I don't have all my shit done. You know, I mean, that's kind of the atmosphere. Um, ironically, if I'm missing any information from these people, I will request it, but I won't hear from them again until probably April 14th. And and then it'll be an emergency situation all over again. So it, it, it ebbs and flows, right. but this month is just, there's just so much extra work in this month. And so I automatically start my year every year with like this, this cloud of anticipation, negative anticipation over my head. So it's, it strikes up a lot of anxiety. And then, of course, in the last week or so, you know, we've had so much political upheaval um, that the anxiety levels are sitting pretty high. And uh, I don't really I don't really think about it. And then all of a sudden I'll realize I'm super tense or I'm gritting my teeth or, you know, my throat's tight, something. And all of a sudden I'm like, why am I so tense? And then I'm like, oh, OK, it's I need to take a breath. It's anxiety. And I'm not I'm not, you know, I'm not consciously thinking about it, but it's sitting there. And I think that's true for a lot of people. I think that generalized anxiety is pretty problematic um, and certainly exacerbated in a time like this. So it's, it is what it is, but it's not comfortable. 
And for me, <clears throat> the, this was the highest, highest level yeah. of anxiety that I have felt in, in yeah. a long time. Attributable today. to mm-hmm. just everything in life or specific events in the last few weeks? E- yeah. Everything, everything. There's just been so much pressure yeah. lately. Today was the highest day I've had in a long time. I don't know. I, today was bad, but I, I feel like the last few days have been worse um, for me personally. Uh, today, I felt like I, yeah. I quieted things down around me a little bit. Uh, although, as I mentioned and shared with you all a little bit ago, I woke up this morning and my house was 60 degrees. So that was fun because the furnace went out again. <laughs> and uh, we had to have it on Christmas morning. And so I've had to have somebody in the house today fixing my furnace, which is great. They did. Um, but if I have to stop every little bit and mute, it's because I'm hacking up a lung now. So because there's all this dust and stuff in the air. And so my uh, I'm wheezing a little bit because of it. So that's fun. Um, so, but, but I have heat again, I'm warm again, so (laughs) I I guess I'll take the trade off. I don't know. (laughs) What's, what's the temperature there now? Outside? It's in low thirties. Yeah. Low thirties. It's in the fifties here. It's actually kind of nice out. Yesterday, yesterday I got up to go to the gym in the morning and I opened my front door and there was snow everywhere. I had no idea it was supposed to snow. And there was snow everywhere. And I'm not talking like just a little, you know, just a little dusting. I mean, like some serious amount of snow. And I couldn't believe it. I got in the car and started driving and I it started snowing even harder <laughs> at the gym. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So for the furnace to go out now, this is not a good time because like think today the highest it's gotten is maybe 34 degrees. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wow. Burr. Yeah, definitely not used to this kind of weather, but so... <laughs> Uh, you'll adjust. I, so. I asked somebody yesterday, how long do I get to claim that I'm not used to this weather? How long do I get to say that? Is it like, do I get a full year, do you think? I, Absolutely. I think so. I have to experience all the seasons, Technically, right? Technically, you need to experience yeah, each so season, too. so I would say a year. This is definitely the biggest <laughs> shift, though, for sure. Winter winter in Tennessee from, you know, living in California, this is a big, big shift. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I can the heat I can take in the summer, but this is something else. All right, Seth, your middle minute. All right. <laughs> uh, you know, have you ever had one of those weeks where there just really aren't words? I think everybody's had that kind of week. <laughs> Which is really, really difficult with yeah. the podcast. <laughs> 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 kind of need those words. It's kind of important. I we'll have just... been putting out weekly episodes since June of 2019. I am not one for a few words. I have many words. <laughs> but I've not had words recently. Yeah. And I feel as if I don't know how to describe this, but I feel like a, like I'm, like I'm mm-hmm. empty or I, I feel hollow, you know, not like emotion. Like, have you ever stayed up really, really late and you got really slap yeah. happy and you just like, whatever, like I'm kind of in a state of slap happiness but then like also just not giving just not having like the emotional mm. component i don't and i don't know what that is but that's where i'm at <laughs> so i'm just walk i just feel like i'm any specific reason or i'm empty that you can identify it feels as it feels as if every area of my life there is a little building that's burning there like every area of my life is burning there is a problem in every facet 
We're all sitting here identifying that life. we're all like, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not just politics. It's family. It's not just family. It's work. It's not just work. It's podcasting. It's not just podcasting. It's dating. It's not just <laughs> dating. It's relationships. It's like it everywhere. It's all burning. Something's um, on fire. <laughs> everything's on fire <laughs> and I'm just sitting around watching it. And I'm, I'm, I don't have words. I'm just like, okay. Wow. Let's see what happens. Well, sometimes you got to do a little, you got to let it, things burn a little bit and then you can kind of dig out oh. of the rubble. <laughs> I'm going to let them burn. I'm going to let them burn for a little bit, but it, uh, it's been very stressful. Um, What's happening politically, I think I mentioned this in my last interview, but our last, I mean, not our last interview, our last discussion, uh, but this political stuff and the insurrection and everything that's happening there, it it's more than just the insurrection for me. It's what the people who were doing it represented, which happened to be a party which my family supported. Uh, so is just kind of um, a lot to yeah. process. Does anybody else find themselves, I, I, I know, I don't know, does anybody else find themselves uncomfortable with the word insurrection? Like it just, you literally cringe when you hear it. Like, because it seems like that's so dramatic and yet that's what happened. But it just doesn't seem realistic mm. to me. That's kind of where I'm at with it. It's like words like, like, like treasonous. Yeah. And like, you don't you expect know, to there's, use there's those hard, words. Hard yeah, words. You don't expect to use them right. in, in reference to our government or people in our country. You don't expect that. That's other countries' problems. So for that to happen here and those words to be using, every time somebody says that, I kind of go, mm, you know, I kind of cringe and think, is that the right word? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't want to overdramatize, but it really was a serious thing. Yeah. It's hard to hear. It's hard yeah. to hear. Actually, there's a guy in jail not very far from here that was involved really? in that. Oh yeah, yeah, in the in the Pinellas mm -hmm. County Jail, that uh, the guy that grabbed the podium. Or oh the, right. He, he was yeah yeah he he's in the jail uh, less than like forty wow. minutes from here. So, um, and I said, oh, of course, a Floridian. Ah. Great. Well, they came from all over. <laughs> so, they were no, from all was, over. It was, yeah. they came yes. from all over yep. and they're yep. arresting in all the individual states. Yeah. So, and it's complicated because some are federal right. crimes and some mm -hmm. are state crimes. Uh, so it, it gets, uh, multiple courts are getting Well, I think involved. the FBI just announced yeah. earlier this afternoon that they have over 160 open cases at the moment. And that number is going to grow. Yeah by quite a lot, but that's just what they have at the moment. Um, that's un that's just unreal to me. I mean, when you think about that, and, and I'll tell you, one of the things I've been really, really uncomfortable with is the number of police officers that I've heard were involved and veterans. I, I, I'm deeply, yeah. I'm mm -hmm. deeply insulted by that because veterans are supposed to know that they, they swore an oath to the constitution, not a man. And, yeah. and so that's disappointing. The lady who died. Yeah, she's an Air Force veteran. The One of the ladies, yeah, she was air, and, and yes. well distinguished. Well, one of the men that just was arrested is a retired uh, Air Force lieutenant colonel. He was one with zip ties in his hands. Now, he says he picked him up, found him, picked him up, put him in his pocket, forgot he had them. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, that's convenient. Yeah, I'm just disturbed that they were there doing this at all. Um and and again, I think it starts to it starts to lead into what we're talking about. You know, change. We're talking about change and the idea that people have a difficult time changing their mind. They they tend to dig into what they believe rather than to evaluate what they believe. If that makes sense. 
Yeah, it's almost like now. Now I would like to go here just mm-hmm. for a second because Let's I go. I had a dear friend um, for a lot of years that made the decision and said, "I'm going to support President Trump," and then I watched this happen with our yeah. friendship. And the more entrenched that friend became, the more I lost them. And it was like the more stuff that came out, the more entrenched they became. Like they dug in deeper and deeper and deeper. And they just could not get out of that uh, and the delusion and and I'm sorry, but that it became like a delusion and, and the grip of that thing got so because her faith was entrenched in her politics. Right. And and when you put those two together like that, there's no clear line. There's no delineation. And and because of that, she just went right in there and could not pull herself out. And and it just felt like the plane went down for me. Yeah. And I lost my That's friendship. So sad. Well, you brought up a really good point. The marriage between our politics. Church and state. Boom. And our and our faith. Um, there's a marriage there. And it's very prevalent in the United States. And it was quite smart of religion to do that. <laughs> because look how well they got them. Well, yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, this is this is on the topic of change, you know. It was difficult for her to change because of right. that connection. Mm-hmm. You know, had it only been about politics, I think that maybe I could have reasoned with her, but because uh, she was entrenched and that would be to me a barrier to change sure. because when when her faith was involved, she couldn't extricate herself. Mm-hmm. Because Mm -hmm. now to extricate myself means that I don't believe in God anymore because this is God's man. This is God's vision. You know, now I'm believing everything that the prophets say about this guy. And, and, you know, they're, they're believing that this is going to happen. So, you know, it, it just, it weaved this big network around Mm -hmm. her, uh, to the point where she couldn't see anything. And and that, that. that speaks to the idea in religion that we have now conflated faith with certainty and so when yes. people are certain they're correct, they call that faith and that's erroneous. That's not what faith looks like. Faith is mystery. And so, but I think if we were going to put a psychological term to what you just said, I think we should call it cognitive dissonance. Um, that's what people are operating in. And, you know, it's unfortunate because almost all of us operate in some form of cognitive dissonance, but we, we don't want to evaluate that. We just want to be right. And could you explain for everybody that's listening exactly what cognitive dissonance sure. is? Sure. Um, oh, that's such a tough thing to define. Uh, so. Psychological, yeah. psychological it, stress Michelle. felt by a person who is confused or, con- I'm sorry, confronted with a belief uh, that contradicts their own, basically. And it creates a conundrum in their mind, which can have physical and mental manifestations uh, of stress associated Great. with it. Um, they don't want to be wrong. They don't want, so they, they start to make allowances for why they're not wrong. Either, you know, we don't have all the information. It was somebody else. You, and you start to hear these kind of same explanations over and over and over. Fake news. Fake, Fake news, news. Antifa. I mean, we are inundated on a daily basis with terms that are nothing more than cognitive dissonance expressing itself. Good, good. That's fantastic. Go with that. I love <laughs> well, that. Well, the idea, of course, is that we should be evaluating what we think and what we believe. That's healthy. That's a that's a healthy part of mental health. 
Um, unfortunately, we often get locked into those mindsets or those belief systems. And like I yeah. said, as far as it pertains to religion, we tend to conflate that with faith. And so we end up saying things like, I will not be moved. You know, um, I'm going to stand my ground for God. I'm a mighty soldier in the army. Of, I mean, we start and we yes. sing, sing songs yes. about it. I will not be yes. moved. <laughs> and, and that makes us feel powerful on some level. And so that cognitive dissonance feeds into that. And it disallows us from evaluating something on a on a rational level to say, well, look, maybe I'm just wrong. But not very many people want to say, well, maybe I'm just wrong. You know? That's so good. That's so good. And admitting that we don't know everything, that's the beginning exactly. of faith. You know, that's the and, and being able to yes, being able to question everything, being able to say Really? Well, let's talk about that or having a discussion and being movable right. in every moment. That's that's really the essence of faith. Religion is saying, I know it all. I've studied it all. I've been to Bible college. <laughs> you know, all of those things that we that we say, I know the Torah. Right. I've, I've, I've got a concordance, yes. you know, all the all that stuff that we threw out because we thought that we, you know, we were showing our tail, you know, uh, back when I was uh, Pastor Kimberly. Um, but but you know, I mean, that's that's beautiful. I love it. I love as it. A, as a former fundamentalist, you're crushing my soul <laughs> well, with these sorry, statements. Seth. Because I was, but you're right. You are right. But as a fundamentalist, I firmly was raised and and taught that there is uh, absolute right and wrong, and that we can know it and have assurance in it. Uh, but Which is, the essence of faith is being able to see that there's something bigger than right. ourselves. And in order to do that, we have to be able and okay to have yes. dialogue and ask serious questions. So you you are right, but it doesn't ring true to fundamentalistic foundation. Well, it's not easy to stay in a flux. It's not easy. It's challenging. No. You have to be mindful mm -hmm. to stay in a flux. And that's faith. That's the essence of faith is to be mindful. So if you're in a relationship with a human being and you ignore them and you do the same things every day, it gets really boring and you're going to get a divorce because <laughs> you're just you're just ignoring right. each other and you have no relationship. But really that that relational quality is what makes it beautiful because every day is different and you're always looking, you know, how am I going to relate today, you know? Mm -hmm. But but with that kind of stake in the sand, there's no work. There's no effort anymore. Right. And and so it's dead and there's nothing life. There's no life giving force to it. So this is a great conversation. I love this. <laughs> it's interesting how when you start talking about change, faith always it, it comes has up. To, I think. Um, because that's where I think for me personally, I get stuck so much is around the faith component. And I want to mention this and I, our show has been very diligent in, in delivering this message, but I want to communicate it again. Just because we work in the mental health field, just because we're mental health professionals, does not mean that we have all this figured out. And it does not mean that we don't struggle with our own Absolutely. mental health issues. And I bring that up because when we talk about change, I am... <laughs> Every therapist's worst <laughs> client. Okay. I, they, people do not want to work with me because I am very stubborn and a lot of it comes around it. it the stuff with the church, that's, 
I learned to stick my stake in the right. ground. So it's not surprising. I'm sorry. No, it's conditioning. It, you, <laughs> you were conditioned that Correct. way. And I'm not saying you were conditioned from somebody trying to manipulate you negatively. It's just conditioning that passes down from person to person because mm-hmm. we've all been taught the same things. Our parents were taught that. Tradition. Yeah, and we teach our children that. We teach them that faith means holding fast to what you know and believe about God. Instead of instead of teaching that God is mystery and you get to evaluate and learn about him as you go on, we 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 present our idea of God and say that's the totality. And it's a disservice because it's short-sighted. There's no way that any one of us yeah. has the totality of understanding as it pertains to God. It's just not possible. And so it, it is tied up in your religious tradition that's been handed to you. So you've been conditioned to hold that. And that's why there's that feeling of of dissonance whenever you hear things like this, that there's an uneasiness, an anxiety that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. I would expect nothing less. Um, right. But the fact that you're willing to engage in the conversation says that, you're open to the idea of change. So while you feel like you may not be good at change, right. at least you are open to the idea of change because you're involved in the conversation. Oh, I can t- I can talk about I can talk about change all day long as long Let's as I don't have to do anything. Let's talk about change, baby. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was sex. So <laughs> I, I thought that song was about sex. I know. <laughs> okay. It was, but I was trying. I was trying. Change the lyrics on that. <laughs> so, but let Let's look at like the the core of that. So the reason people don't change or have the questions or have the conversation is by not doing it, they feel secure. Sure. So it's almost as if security is a barrier could, could technically yes. be a barrier. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's safe. You know, I mean, we mm-hmm. look at people uh, and we wonder how the abusee can stay with the right. abuser you know, how in the world could you stay with that man when he was beating you every it's day? Normal. Because the fear of the unknown was greater than what I knew I had to deal with right. every day. You know, so this person had conditioned themselves to deal with the environment that they were in. And that felt safer than the unknown that was out there. Right. So they, you know, we, we frequently will weigh the, the, the two and say, okay, where I'm at feels better than where I'm going. Just because it's you know, a known. Or even, it's a known yes, entity, yes, so or, it's much more comfortable, even if it's abusive. What's or, that, or, what's or that if, phrase? The devil yes. you know is yes. better than the devil you don't. Or if the, if the other side is known and we can measure it, maybe it is, uh, it is overwhelming. Right. And it doesn't look possible or feasible or, you know, like, like, let's say I'm sitting here and, you know, I want to lose weight, but it really looks overwhelming to me. And I don't feel good about the fact that I would have to work out, you know, and do all this stuff and yada, yada. And it feels overwhelming. And I've tried 37 times and I can't get there. And so being over here with my potato chips feels a little better. So I'm always more so comfortable I might want to stay... <laughs> Right, right, right. I might want to stay right here with my tater chips and my diet pop, you know, you know, I had a friend that used to joke about that. He said, you know, people walk, uh, go up to a McDonald's and order everything supersized and then yes, get a diet Yes, always makes me laugh. He, he just th- <laughs> thought that was just the, the most hilarious irony, you know, but, but maybe that thing is normal. more daunting. Yeah, yeah. For change. Don't ever throw shade I on don't diet like diet. soda. I will get irate if somebody gives me diet when I've ordered regular. It'll annoy the hell out of me. So, 
And if you give me regular when I've ordered diet, I'm also going to know. I think Seth was party to some of my rants uh, with regard to Chick-fil-A last year when I would order a Coke from them and they would give me a Diet Coke and I would lose oh, my mind. Because I never found out until I drove away. And, and the line out. is always 10 friggin' miles long. So you can't go back and fix it because the indoors are closed. You know, you have to go through the drive-thru. And here I am with a Diet Coke. Nobody wants that. Well, I don't. And, and <laughs> not only that, but... If you ever work at a convenient, not sorry, like a fast food place and the person comes up to the window, never ask them if they are who they are. Just <laughs> assume that they are who they are. Like, don't ask, oh, are you oh, Michelle? Oh, you smart ass. Because <laughs> you may get a mouthful after that. And why, Michelle? Okay, you why? are bringing up a specific instance. I was in. I was the only one in the drive-thru. <laughs> One person took my order and asked for my name. I literally drove 15 feet to the next person to pay them. And she said, are you Michelle? I'm like, did somebody else jump in the freaking line in between the last? I don't understand. Like, who else would I be? I'm the only one here. So you are referencing something specific and making me sound irrational. I was not. Oh, come on. It's all fun and games. Was it it Chick-fil-A? There you are. See, I knew it was referenced. Yep. I knew they were connected. All right. All right. Back to the subject matter. Enough of my enough All of right. my problems. <laughs> oh my goodness! So certainty can definitely be a barrier. Uh, yep. Fear and of failure as well. Absolutely. I think that goes right along yeah. with that. Again, uh, I think wrong. it's kind of one and the same. Yeah. Right. Or feeling like you don't have the tools or the ability to do or or uh, necessitate right. change, you know. Um, I'm not empowered to right. change. So maybe, you know, there, and I'll give you a great example. I knew a lady that had two children and she did not have her education finished. And she wanted to get out of uh, being on welfare. Uh, and this was many, many years ago, she was she was getting welfare, and they kept her at such a low level that she was barely surviving, but yet she couldn't get the tools to get out of that. So she felt uh, hamstrung by the system uh, to not be able to get out of there. So she really had to work and strive to to change right. and, and make a better life for herself. And, and it took a lot to do that she had to really overcome well because human nature is so. to go the easiest way and yeah i i mean that's i have well <laughs> uh my mom when i was younger i was raised on welfare and that that situation was the same for my mother she she wanted to have a job but if she worked they subtracted whatever she earned from what she when she worked from her welfare benefits well the problem is when you go to work you now have added expenses you have clothing you have to wear you have childcare often you have added expenses yes. and so it actually ends up costing you more to work than if you were to stay home and just accept government assistance and so it, it is a big conundrum in in my mother's case and she's pretty open about this so i don't feel like i'm sharing anything that would be problematic for her uh, she actually worked and didn't report it, which is fraud. And she got caught and she went to jail when I was 13 years old for it. Wow. Yeah, but the system is so locked in at a certain way that, yeah, it necessitates people either being dishonest or giving up. And and so change is difficult in that situation because you're you're not rewarded for that change. You are actually, you know, oftentimes demonized by ideas or you are actually punished for that trying to change. So... 
Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you another one in the uh, mental health field. You get people that are out on the street doing drugs uh, because they have mental right. health issues and and they have turned to that because they didn't know that they had right. mental health issues and they ended up doing drugs and then they come in and they try to do it right and they say, "Have you ever done have you ever done anything like this XYZ benzos da da da" and they opioids yep. and they say, "Yes," and they're honest. Right. And then the psychiatrist goes, well, then I can't Uh. prescribe you X, Y, or Z. And they go, well, what the heck? You know, I'm coming in here trying to do this legally to deal with my anxiety. And you're telling me you can't prescribe the very medication that I need to help me. Yeah, it's it's a broken yes, system. That's what we're telling you. <laughs> it's a broken system. That's that's what we're telling you, John. We can't give you the medication that you need because you might abuse it. I'm already um, abusing well, it. Well, <laughs> if I go out but if I go out there on the street, I could abuse it. So you're telling me that you're gonna be my papa yeah. now and and you know, so it's yeah. just that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's the same well, kind so of that, mess. that is a huge barrier to change because sometimes it's it's not it's not worth it to try and change. You know, it's not even a level of difficulty. You are, you're almost done before you start. If you, if you try to change, Mm -hmm. um, discourage very much. That's I think that's a big barrier to change. I would throw out another one, uh, confirmation bias. Uh, often when we're uncomfortable, especially as this goes back and associates with cognitive dissonance, we often will surround ourselves with information or people that seem to feed into the belief we already have, which then just further strengthens. So there's no need to change because I'm right. You know, again, it's a lack yes. of a self-evaluation or, you know, that introspective viewpoint. And I think we see a lot of that happening right now. There's a lot of confirmation bias, which is, a, of course, one of the problems we have all identified with our media. You know, depending on which media, media you indulge in, you are receiving confirmation bias. CNN or <laughs> <Right>. Fox. <laughs> I watch both because I'm, I'm trying balanced. to watch none of them. <laughs> I, but I want to also, I feel this, I don't know if this is the same or different. But I, I want to add group okay, think yes. too, specifically in light of what's happening in the country and talking about change. It's there's often this sense of belief in right. the system, and and you, um, you kind of just follow along what everyone else is doing, and as a result, it keeps you from making the changes you need right. to. Or, yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you think about that herd mentality? Yeah. I, well, I think it all goes along together. It's almost a sense of yeah. naive realism. I do too. Um, mm-hmm. where, where we believe that what we already know and believe to be true is the objective truth. And again, we're feeding that with the people and the information around us. And so, yes, it does become a group think situation. And, and of course, there's power in numbers. So the more people that you have around you that agree with you, the more certain you are you're right. You know, and, and have, you guys have seen this too, right? The studies where they t- put somebody in a room and they, they abuse one person or they create a situation in which they feed certain information and everybody agrees with it and one person doesn't. And you watch and see the, the group think dynamics that go on with, with that person, how they're ostracized. Or if they're yes. good enough, they start convincing people and before long, the group dynamic shifts and change changes. But there's always that outsider, almost always. And so it's very interesting from a psychological perspective and uh, how we think as people and how we interact with one another to confirm our own thoughts and beliefs. Um, I find that fascinating. Which which to me lends uh, credence to having supports when you want to change. Right. 
uh, bringing bringing in supports and bringing in people that are going to uh, feed you positivity, Absolutely. feed you, you know, the the strength to change and the and the motivation, even uh, job coaches or people that are going to get in your corner and rah rah sis sis boom ba whatever you know to to just get behind you and cheer you on in that change and say you can do yeah. this. How are you doing on that? Right. How's things going? Yeah, because we all want to feel accomplished at something, and, and you're right if we're getting if we're getting positive affirmation with regard to what we're doing we're more inclined to continue to do that um and so so as it pertains to uh, educating yourself or investigating things that you believe or think you believe you know the more positive feedback that we get from enacting that that change so to speak the more we're likely to continue it um absolutely so involve a buddy <laughs> Get, get somebody that challenges you. Change, um, buddy. Somebody that challenges you. I need a change, buddy, for my pocket. So let, let's talk about, you know, as we kind of near the end of this episode, let's talk about some things that are actually helpful, which I think involving a buddy is excellent. Mm -hmm. It was one of the things I wanted to mention. I also want to just say, make a plan that will stick. That's what I was going to say. I cannot tell you how many times I have come up with like, a list of here are the things I want to change. And it is a 10 to 20 bullet list with detailed descriptions of all the things <laughs> I'm going to do with the timeline that's going to happen. And you know what? I didn't you do a single one yourself. of them. I overwhelmed myself. So start small and, and make it a plan that you can, that, you, that will stick something that you can actually move forward to. So rather than saying, Hey, I'm going to quit smoking tomorrow. Let's say I'm going to smoke three cigarettes right. tomorrow. Change slowly. You this know, this is why I'm excited on our next episode because we're going to take a little assessment together and we're going to talk about some of those traits, right. uh, because you should, you should know your strengths lean to your strengths because maybe you're fantastic at organization and you struggle with follow through and you need to shore that up somehow. Mm -hmm. So it's great to make a plan, but Hey, you know, if you struggle with follow through, then how do we fix that? Right. What do we need to do to engage that? You know? So let's, uh, let's, uh, focus on that because I'm really good at writing up something, uh, as well, you know, I was just looking at my calendar and it and it looks like a herd of elephants like trampled all over too. it. And yeah. <laughs> but I have heard that we are creatures of habit and if we can consistently do something for three to four weeks, it becomes an established yeah. routine. So that is something else. If we can stick to something for three to four weeks, whether it be a diet or exercise or taking walks or, you know, doing that self-care or whatever it is in the, in the realm of change, then we can actually establish it as, as a routine for ourselves and uh, move forward in that. I actually was listening to something today. I started listening to a new book on Audible. It's called Can't Hurt Me. And it's by uh, David Goggins. Have you heard of David Goggins? Anyway, um, he's a fitness guy. But anyway, he uh, he has a, a big history in the military and all kinds of stuff. Came from a very difficult background and has really achieved quite a lot in his lifetime. And he said something today in the beginning chapters of this book that has been something that I have said and lived by, especially in the last three years. He said, if you think that you can motivate yourself to change, you are wrong. He said, because motivation comes and goes. If you are motivated to go out and run and you open the door and there's 
you know, it's Chicago winter and there's wind blowing, you're going to turn around and go back in the house because you're not motivated anymore. He's like, but if you're disciplined, if you're determined, if you're obsessed, you will go and put on the right clothes to go out there and do that anyway. So a lot of times we preach motivation, but often motivation wanes. And so it comes down to the, the right. habits that you create and that, that takes discipline. And you're right. I, I think That's I've heard good. it's like 21 days. So three weeks for a new healthy habit. Consistency. consistency. It's a, it's about yeah. consistency. That's, that's absolutely. And you know, that's one of the things that I, is in my fitness goals, I, I have a tendency to berate myself often. So I, I take a lot of pictures uh, and I remind myself of what my goals are all the time. And some days when I just don't feel it, I go, I got to go anyway, because it's consistency. Or some days you don't just feel it. So you take a picture of yourself and you post it on Instagram and now you have guys ah, hitting you up. And I, you feel I still better. go to the gym anyway. Isn't that how, isn't that how it works? <laughs> Motivation comes in a lot of places. Don't don't knock it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it comes down so to discipline. I, it comes down to consistency and saying, regardless of how I think or feel, I'm gonna do this anyway because I can I I can uh, I'm conditioning myself and I, I promised myself this is what I was going to do. Yes. And sometimes accountability helps some people. Some people are good with accountability. That's why groups like AA and and some of these other places are successful because you get a sponsor and there's somebody there that says, how are you doing? Did you drink yesterday? You know, so uh, that that has some merit as well in the realm of change. I've I've got two or three gym buddies. If I don't see one for a couple days, he gets a text message. Where are you? I haven't seen your face. You know, well, I had the, no, no, haven't seen your face. You're supposed to be in the gym. So, you know, and we do That's that awesome. back and forth. And, <laughs> and so there's this feeling of, oh boy, I better be there. Somebody's going to be breathing down my neck about it. So that accountability does work, but you have to pick the right people. <laughs> you have to be very yes, cautious with that. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Because you don't want to tell no. the hun as your as your accountability partner. Yeah, and I tend to be <laughs> I tend to be pretty hard about that stuff. So maybe I'm not the safest person for most people. You have to have a pretty tough hide for me because I'm the I'm the one with the whip going Psh, get your ass in the gym. You know well, what do you mean you're not going to work out today? Yes, you are. <laughs> so, but that's my wow. military background. So, so to wrap up today's conversation. I want to leave us with a couple questions. If if you are considering change, a few things to help get you started on that path and moving forward um, is, do I really want to make the change I say I want right. to? And then what are my fears if I make this change? What will I lose or open myself up to? And three, do I honestly want to make the effort required to make this change? That's a hard one. And I think those are are three really good questions to kind of get yourself started um, if you're considering changing something um, in your life. What would you guys say? Oh, I agree. I I think knowing, you got to know the price that you're going to pay. You have to plan. All of these things are are valuable Mm -hmm. in a lot of areas in life. And, and, you know, you're not going to buy a house just on a whim one day. So you plan how you're going to do that. Well, the same thing is true with any other change in your life. You are going to, you're going to count the cost basically. So I would say lastly, realize that failure is a part of change. Absolutely. And give yourself grace. And if you, if you stumble, get back Mm -hmm. up. 
if you're if you're doing something and you and you mess up, give yourself a little grace and say, but tomorrow I'm not going to I'm going to keep at it. Uh, Because there is a difference between a lapse and a relapse. Absolutely. There's a difference be- between, you know, just uh, uh, missing one day and, uh, you know, in a line of, of succession of great days. So it's yeah. okay to, to miss it well, one day or anybody one Anybody that has done anything that we perceive as great will tell you that they failed numerous times and that the only time you truly fail is when you quit. Uh, everything else mm-hmm. is a part of the journey. So... That's what we have to keep in mind. We can't learn. We can't learn without failure. I think we've hit just about every platitude we can. (laughs) I think we have. I think we've done really well. (laughs) PK's doing the violin. (laughs) So, if you have enjoyed this conversation, we want to talk to you. Come check out our Facebook group or our Facebook page. And if you really like us, become a Patreon and support us financially. If you do so, we're going to hook you up with a Marco Polo group where you can chat with all of us together, as well as bonus content. And then lastly, if you don't want to do any of that, that's perfectly fine. And you just want to talk to us and provide us suggestions or ask questions or want us to talk about something specifically, you can reach out to us via our hotline. Do any of my co-hosts know what that hotline number is? And you did not put it in the notes. I think it's 314. (laughs) Crap. PK, I was really expecting one of you to come through. Of course you were, but I already told you I don't remember it. So so the fact that you did not has me a little perturbed. It's three one four. I know the last five, four nine, numbers. Zero? Come on, six I, nine zero six nine zero five I, zero zero five. I do it every time, every time. And I was waiting for somebody else to do it today because uh, I'm going to do it, it for next time. Every well, then break. fine. I'm finding the number. Give me one second. I'm doing research. Every single time. To find the post. Three one five have, five nine zero five zero zero five. How long was it since I posted that? that ad about the hotline clearly it is 314-690-5005 i was close there you go nah 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 (laughs) oh my goodness so i was right i was right all along 314-690-5005 you can text us well okay you can text us. You can call us. You can email us. Come on, but the reality out, is, we don't friends. have to call that number, so it's difficult for us to remember. We just answer it. That's my go. excuse. Okay, well, <laughs> that's we're gonna Already end on that done. note. See y'all next week. Hi. Welcome to your neighborhood pharmacy. Hi, I've got a prescription for diabetes test strips. How much is the copay? Well, it depends on your type of commercial insurance and factoring in your yearly spend, subtracting the deductibles, also depending on your monthly allowance. Why can't there be a better option? Or you could try Contour Next test strips. A 35 counts only $19.99 over the counter and proven to be highly accurate. Go to contournext.com slash radio to see if over the counter strips are a more affordable option for you. Hmm, I think I'll try Contour Next.